Hey everyone, this is Anya and we are back with a new episode. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to Utopia, an international student organization connecting and empowering youth around the world through conversation. In this episode, we'll be hearing from financial professional and Londoner Nilesh Dosa, whose 15-year career in global banking is now making room for his inspiring humanitarian involvement. Recently, Nilesh started a grassroots nonprofit called I Can, You Can Too that mentors youth from disadvantaged backgrounds. Among his accolades and awards, Nilesh's work was featured globally by Forbes in February of 2019. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Nilesh. Thanks so much for coming on the show. If you want to just start off by introducing yourself and your work, that would be fantastic. Sure. Um, thank you. Thank you, Anya. Thank you for having me. Um, so, yeah, sure, everybody. My name's uh, Nilesh Dosa. Um, I'm, I'm married to an optician called Hemel. And I've been told by my daughter to make sure that I get her age right. So I have a six, six and a three quarter year old. Uh, <laughs> the three quarters was very important to her called Mahi. And in terms of work, so academically and professionally, I have a background in, in banking and finance. But on the side, I have sort of 20 years of experience. I think I've given my age away. Um, 20 years of experience with, with working with young people um, in the sort of mentoring and coaching space. So I suppose I kind of straddle this unique place where I've worked for two out of the big four and also two pretty prestigious global banks. But I also work with some of the most disadvantaged, underprivileged and socially deprived children in London. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. Uh, and what that means now is that I spend half of my work working, working for EY and I spend the rest of my time working on two social enterprises that, you know, I'm proud to have started um, and again, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in, in a moment. Great. Yeah. Before you get into the specifics of your organization, could you tell us a little bit more about the why? Why you've decided to split your life like this and take a pay cut? Was there a catalyst or perhaps a realization that led you to dedicate so much of your time and energy to underprivileged youth? Sure, Anya. And, and I suppose it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because... You know, good old Simon Sinek has got all of us thinking about why first and foremost. Um, so, look, disadvantage, non-privilege, all of that stuff is really, really close to my heart. And, and, and for the simple reason that, you know, I was one of those myself um, growing up as the son of migrants in, you know, in a council, council estate um, in, in, in urban London. And I have a simple belief and a fundamental premise and, and hence we called one of our programs, I Can, You Can Too, because I strongly believe that, you know, all youngsters can achieve something with their lives. Um, but I'm also a realist and realise that just saying it isn't enough. And so I believe that with youngsters, there's, there's a two-step approach that's required. First, you've got to get them believing. And secondly, You've got to give them and equip them with the skills that perhaps you recognize that they're not quite getting in school, at home and, and for whatever reason. 
And Anya, you said about incident. And so whilst I've always been in this sphere, because of the point that I made that this is close to my heart because it's a lived experience. Back in 2016, I had an incident with a young, a young Nigerian boy who I invited to come and take part in a mentoring session in, in sort of Canary Wharf, which is the finance dis- district in London. And when I invited him, his response was, I'm a black boy. Am I allowed to come to Canary wow. Wharf? Because I thought, yeah, absolutely, Anya. Um, he said, because I thought all black people worked in security or worked in the canteen. And that was my never, never, never going back again moment, you know. So whilst I've, I've had a mentality for this, that was probably the moment that meant that I couldn't go yeah. back to doing what I did, right? Because as a dad, especially, that narrative just felt so unacceptable. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, could you, we know a little bit about I Can, You Can too, but can you elaborate on, on the specific work you do, how you've structured and built this, this organization um, and how you navigate your community? Yeah, absolutely, Anya. So sure, let me tell you a little bit about I Can, You Can too. So at its heart, it's a grassroots coaching and mentoring program, excuse me, uh, working at the moment with inner city London youngsters. And, you know, in its design, essentially, it runs across an academic year. It has an underpinning syllabus. And again, within that syllabus at its heart is the fact that we meet consistently and regularly with our youngsters face to face across the entire academic year. And I Can You Can Too seeks to address three key issues and has essentially three objectives, which is first to give our young people access to real role models. Secondly, to give them access to professions, industries, and at its, at its simplest, work locations. And then finally, it's to coach the young people with the practical skills, as I said, that we know they're not being taught. How do I shake a hand? How do I introduce myself? You know, how do I dress for an interview? How do I navigate an interview? What's personal branding? What's networking? How do I write my CV, etc., etc.? Have you, in, in, when you were... Um younger did you have any sort of uh mentor that followed this model uh no no um you know as i said earlier anya my you know my parents came came to england in the sort of late 70s um my mum from india and my father from africa and you know my dad was a mechanic and my mum my mum was a housewife And, you know, in our friend circle, in our relative group, um, in our extended friend circle, you know, there wasn't anybody that had a professional background. And it wasn't until I started working myself and made some real fundamental boo-boos, you know. Um, You know, I turned up to, to my first day at work, you know, one of the big four, actually. You know, I turned up in a brown suit and felt completely out of place yeah. um throughout that first day a lot of the the other grads 
with the graduates that I'd started with were having lots of this sort of, you know, we call it water cooler talk, right? right? You know, where you make this small com- small talk and, and, and conversation. And I felt really left out because I didn't really know how to communicate. Um, and I suppose the term for it now is I didn't have the cultural, the social capital right. for that. And then the final, the, you know, the icing on the cake and the story that I tell often is the first night the the partners and the directors took us out for a celebratory meal and I didn't know what to do with my knives and forks. So, you know, absolutely not. Not only did I have no role models, but actually, you know, I didn't have the coaching yeah. and, 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 and the capital to navigate this new world that I was in. Wow. Yeah. And can I can I ask how you ended up in the finance industry? Was there a specific reason or was it a a kind of natural flow or or personal choice? Yeah, it's a Yeah, it was a personal choice. I liked numbers. Um I'm not going to lie. I you know, I had visions of breaking out right. of poverty. Um and and wanting to you know, wanting to do well for my family and my future. Um and with the limited resources at the time that I had, you know, finance accountancy banking um you know felt like a good place to go yeah and now that you've started this organization how i guess how in the beginning were you able to build build a network of of youth how did you reach people how did you was it is it similar to a recruitment process or or just outreach Uh, so it's, it's, again, it's a really great question, Anya. How did we start? We started by me going back to my my own secondary school. So the school that I went to myself as a kid, you know, I went back to, um, you know, four or five years ago where I first started, you know, in, in the beginning, actually, it was a set of assemblies called If I Can Do It, You Can Do It yeah. Too. And it was off the back of that that I had the encounter with Joshua and I've already explained that that narrative felt unacceptable to me. Right. And so from that, we started mentoring a very, very small group of youngsters. Um, and through that first year, you know, Joshua went from being the young man that said, can I come to Canary Wharf to him actually landing a five year apprenticeship. That's incredible. Um, at EY. And he's now in his he's now in his third year. Um, and, you know, he's going to graduate with with a fantastic accountancy qualification from, you know, one of the most prestigious firms in the world. And, you know, when he landed his place, I I went and met his family. And there was a beautiful moment where I met his mum at a Starbucks. And, you know, she was, you know, her blessings, her prayers, her gratitude, wow. you know, had me in tears. Yeah. And we had this moment where we had this 60-year-old Nigerian lady and me in a Starbucks holding hands, crying. And we had this 16-year-old sort of looking at us, (laughs) laughing and going, you know, what are you two doing? Um, And after that, what we did is, you know, we just we've simply increased the number of places um, and the number of schools that we work with. And essentially, it's been a little bit like word of mouth, really. You know, schools talk to one another and schools have seen, you know, the good work that we've done. I mean, we've achieved some pretty cool 
life-changing stuff where we've got youngsters at Eton College, at Oxford University, at EY, at the Bank of England, UBS. Some youngsters have gone into medicine, into law, architecture. And, you know, I'm, I'm really proud, right, that we set out to do life-changing stuff. And, you know, we've got a growing team of people working on this and, you know, we're, we're, we're doing some pretty Absolutely. cool stuff. So, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's it. Yeah. Really. Wow. That's, that's an incredible story. Of course, I'm sure that you are continuing your work through this pandemic. How has COVID-19 impacted your operations? Has it changed the way you approach or, or navigate your work? So it has absolutely changed the way we work. Um, what we tend to do is we tend to meet face to face on a monthly basis with our youngsters. Now, obviously, with social distancing, we right. can't do that. So what we've had to do in terms of our main program is is essentially shift and pivot our work from face to face to virtual um, but what we sought to do here was to do a couple of things. Firstly, increase our touch points with our youngsters, because I know that for young people, especially, but actually even for us adults, this is a completely new situation. And we know that the youngsters are pretty nervous and anxious and scared about what the future yeah, looks like. Definitely. So what we've done is we've put in weekly touch points with them just to make sure that we're in touch making sure they're okay and seeing how we can support them. But what we've also done is shifted the activities that were in our syllabus to go from face to face to virtual. And actually, without realising, I think it's going to be a really valuable experience. So, for example, we had face to face interviews lined up for them um, in the beginning of June. Instead, what we've done is we're going to be giving them video interviews, which actually it feels like in the new world lots and lots of companies will probably move to that model Absolutely. anyway. So our youngsters will have experienced that. So that's, a, that's what we've done with our main program. But actually, Anya, I, I've always known that the young people that we generally work with, there's a, there's a certain level of deprivation and a certain level of, of difficulty um, from a financial perspective in their lives. But what we hadn't realised is actually quite the extent of those difficulties, right? So I know of youngsters who have sort of messaged me to say right at the beginning of the pandemic that they were living on one meal a day. Gosh. And, you know, I had a text from a girl to say, Nilesh, can you buy, can you buy me some shower gel? Wow. Because I haven't had a bath with, with any soap in a couple of weeks. Um, and so there was absolutely no way that I was going to say, you know what, this isn't our sweet spot. We don't know anything about this. And I'm really sorry, but there's nothing right. we can do. Um, and so, you know, without much of a plan, without knowing exactly what we were going to do and absolutely with no experience of this, we set about saying we wanted to help. And it was that was more what I would call a humanitarian focus. So a bit more what a pure charity might do. But Quickly, what we've been able to do is create informal partnerships with supermarkets around London. And we're now sort of supporting between 50 and 70 families on a daily basis. 
we're distributing about 250 kilos of food a week, um, about 150, you know, healthy, freshly cooked meals, as well as getting out basics, basic hygiene, basic essential products. Um, and yeah, you know, again, as I say, we've managed to shift our program, but definitely get involved in a bit of a new, you know, element, a new area. But as I say, you know, we've we've got experience of working with these youngsters and, you know, there was no way that we were going to sit around and do nothing, right? We just we just want to help them and we want to support. So that's what we've been doing. That's incredible. Um, if there is one thing that you'd like to see change for the better in the post-COVID-19 world, and, and maybe it's just that, what you're explaining, um, what would it be? Anya, if I had to encapsulate it in one sentence, what I'd love to see is human beings being human. Um, and actually, it's quite timely. I saw a report earlier this week that talks about the fact that Lockdown was designed to separate us, but in one pleasing way, it's kind of failed because what social distancing has done is it's managed to bring communities closer together. And this report by the Centre for Economic and Business Research has said one in five adults, which is about 10 million people in the UK, have got involved in volunteering activities since, since the start of lockdown, whether that's grocery shopping collecting and delivering medicine or just picking up the phone and and you know talking to someone that's suffering from sort of loneliness and the cool part of the report is at the end it talks about the fact that apparently just under 80 percent of people have said that they're going to continue with this activity um in 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 the future and so to come back to your question i think We've already made a fantastic effort across society and the effort has reminded me of something that inspired me and continues to inspire me um, from a very long time ago. I read it and it's to do with the Melinda, sorry, the Bill and Melinda Gates yeah. Foundation. And they talk about, yeah, this will resonate with you as being American. <laughs> right. um, you know, their, their two driving principles are around all lives, no matter where they are being lived, have equal value. And the second one, which is a real personal favourite of mine, and yeah, and I've got it, I've got it here in my study, is to whom much is given, much is expected. And I think, whilst most of us don't have quite the resources of Bill Gates, right. we've we've proven we've proven already, right, that. We can absolutely each do our own bit. And why wouldn't that continue? And so for me, that's the one thing that I'd love to see into the future. That, yeah, wow, that is an incredible, incredible phrase. And it feels very relevant to what we're all living now beyond just the pandemic. But I know we're recording this in a week where protests have erupted across mm. the country and across the world. Um, and I think to whom much is given, much is expected to me sounds like people who have privilege in any form have a responsibility. Do you, Nilesh, have yeah. any idea or advice where and how people can start 
as you say, being human, how, how they can change or impact their communities. I mean, as somebody, you, you yourself have made such an active commitment to being a source of positive change. And, and you've explained, you know, how and why you've, you've come to that. But on a, on a smaller, more intimate scale, maybe you have some advice for how we can make smaller changes or maybe bigger changes in our own communities. Um, so look, Anya, you know, I, 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 I appreciate where the question comes from. And let me start by saying, you know, please forgive me because, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm lecturing anybody, um, you know, and I definitely don't have all the answers. But, you know, my, 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 my humble thoughts on this particular question are as follows. And, and the clue is, is in the question, right? You said, where do you start? And my advice is you start. Yeah. Right? Um, I think... And I get asked this question fairly regularly. I say the same thing every time, which is you find what it is that you are passionate about in your community. And that could be, for me, it's social mobility and it's young people and it's disadvantaged youngsters. But for you, it might be the elderly. It might be people that have disability. I mean, you could even stretch this further, right, by saying... If it's supporting females getting into STEM, which is currently a big thing in London, right? If whatever it is, get started. Um, And you'll never have all the answers at the start. And I think that it's this unknown that stops a lot of people. But I think you've got this classic trade-off, haven't you, between doing nothing because you don't have all the answers versus starting recognizing that it's not quite perfect but at least you've gotten going right and this this is quite cool this podcast because i get to quote um you know my favorite books and my favorite characters right so as as michael schofield in prison break says (laughs) you know i never worry about action only inaction and so if i was to end this little list list this little question that you've asked me i think with a sincere intention So we talked about it earlier before we started the podcast, Anya. This is not about having something so that you can put it on your social media. This is about having a sincere and genuine and pure intention. And it's about having a firm determination. With those two things, I promise you that whatever you do, you'll make a valuable contribution. And, you know, I'm proof of that. Genuinely, two months ago, As an example, we had absolutely no experience of delivering food, right? And now there's 20 of us delivering 250 kilos a week. It's just get started. That's incredible. Yeah, and and to our listeners who were not around before we started recording, we had a long conversation about what was going on this week. And one of the things that came up, we were talking about reconciling performative activism, especially on social media with intent um and allyship which is of course a really loaded conversation nilesh do you have any concluding comments for us i'd i'd say that for a very long time and i know that i felt this and throughout the modern world i think we're sold this dream that life and success is about the acquisition of things Put it another way, 
and I said I'd be quoting my favourite people and books. Um, my favourite book, Tuesdays with Mori, um, talks about the fact that, you know, we've been brainwashed into believing owning things is good, more money is good, more property is good, more, com- more commercialism is good. We repeat it and have it repeated to us over and over. The average person is so fogged up by all of this that he has no perspective on what's really important anymore. And I think, Anya, COVID-19 and the lockdown has been a real reminder of what is actually important. And it's the need for love, for conversation, for friendship. And that's the stuff that I really missed. You know, seeing my mum, giving my dad a bear hug, you know, mucking around with Sia and Shay, my niece and nephew. And this pandemic has been horrible. And the loss of life is tragic. But if there's one silver lining and one thing that we can hold on to, I hope that it is community spirit and human beings being human. And I'd like to end with one other quote, again, from from Tuesdays with Mori. We've been chasing the wrong things. The way you get meaning into your life is to devote yourself to loving others, devote yourself to your community around you, and devote yourself to creating something that gives you purpose and meaning. That is so profound. Thank you so much, Nilesh, for taking the time to speak with us today. If you hear my dog in the background right now, it's because he's probably barking at a squirrel. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I know all of us at Utopia really appreciate you taking the time to engage with us and tell us about your inspiring life story and inspiring action in your community. And, and you know, let me, let me just say one last thing, Anya. I met you guys, you, Mario, and some of the Utopia folks you know, over a year ago, and I was, you know, humbled and inspired and bowled over by just such a really fantastic bunch of really cool, you know, academically strong, and yet young individuals with such a desire to change the world. And, you know, I think you guys are awesome. And, you know, it's, it's really, really cool that you asked me to come back and you know, there was no way I was going to say no to you guys. So look, thanks for having me back and let's let's carry on our friendship. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. We want to hear from you. So send us your questions and comments at info at utopia.org. Be sure to follow us on social media for more updates. Stay tuned and we'll see you next time.